Welcome to the Dear Bronx Science Podcast. My name is Victoria Lee, a member of the Bronx High School Science Class of 2012. Through this podcast, I share stories from the Bronx Science community so that each of us can write a letter that starts with Dear Bronx Science. Thanks for spending some time with me today, and now let's meet our guest. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Dear Bronx Science. And today we have Juno Lee. She's a class of 2015. And if you listen to the episode with Nellie Lin, she, Juno is the other half of two Addies in a Coffee, Please. They're both the co-hosts and both Bronx Science alum. And I wanted to bring Juno on as I thought she, well, she has a very untraditional um, pathway. So after um, Bronx Science, she went on to college, but then dropped out of college and then went into a data science boot camp. So I really wanted to have her on the show and just share another type of Bronx science story um, that's possible after you graduate Bronx science. And another reason why this episode is really special is because um, Juno and Ellie proved to me that you can start a podcast and they really were inspiration for me to start this podcast. So Juno, can you kick us off by giving a brief introduction to yourself? Yeah. Um, thank you, Victoria. I'm super excited to be here. Um, and yeah, you're always an inspiration to me. I think Nelly mentioned this, but you were our big sib <laughs> when we were younger. I think my first introduction to Bronx Science was meeting Nelly and meeting Victoria. And I was super encouraged and inspired by your support. Um, so yeah, my name is Juno. I am a curriculum developer for Databricks. Um, it's we work on a lot of um, big data projects and I'm responsible for like a, a several workshops and courses. Um, and before this, I was a instructor and curriculum developer for the School of Data Science at Udacity. And like you mentioned, I have a sort of untraditional career path. Um, I went to University of Michigan to study computer science, um, but I dropped out to go to a data science boot camp. And I worked in a small startup for a hot sec as a data scientist. And then I got into like tech education. Um, and a bit about my background, I'm, uh, I was born and raised in New York City, um, and I have come from a Korean-American, um, a, a Korean immigrant family, um, and yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Juno. And just to bring it all back to Bronx Science, what did it mean for you to attend and graduate from Bronx Science? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't realize like how much of a privilege it was to go to Bronx Science. I heard it all the time when I was a student there, but it seriously did make a huge difference, I think. Um, I really think it's what gave me the confidence um, that things would be okay when I did take risks later down the road. Um, I think I think it there were like two main things it did for me. One was it showed me how high um, the possibilities were for me, um, like from the various internships I saw, like the cool experiences that I got working at robotics and clubs and the cool classes that they had. Um, it just really showed me like how much you can do as a young student um, and the way people could treat you as like an adult. Um, and two, um, I think, I'm sorry, I'm like not good in the mornings, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, for our audience, we're, we're recording in the morning. So thanks, Juno, for really <laughs> helping us to get this episode together. But I thought that was, I think the first point you brought up was already really great about um, about from all the activities you've done, how it could show like, you know, what you're capable of. Can you bring up some some examples of one? I think you mentioned robotics as one of them. Yeah, I think the biggest one for me was definitely robotics. Um, I think I started I started that when I was a freshman. And I think that influenced a lot of my decisions, like in 
uh, subtle ways as I was going through. I took a lot of computer science classes. I was joining math team and I had internships at different um, companies. And I guess like it was really cool because I think from a very young age, I was able to see cool tech companies. Like we visited Bloomberg, we visited Google. Um, they took us to competitions uh, like around the uh, US. And I think and some of the internships that it opened me up to like showed me that even if I didn't have a job, like, oh, I could work here. Like, I could be an intern at this, like, political campaign piece, place. I could be an intern at this, like, education startup. And it showed me, like, how... And you were working alongside adults. I think that's a really cool thing. I think Bronx Science does a really good job of, like, showing you how much autonomy you have and how much, like, power you have as an individual. Um, they really treat you like college students, I feel like. <laughs> no, that's, that's really great to hear. I... It's you and I graduated three years apart. And I feel like when I think back to other people who are in my class year or maybe slightly older, I don't think many people had that had internships. I could be wrong, but I always felt that I did some internships and I don't think I knew that other people did. But it's really great. So I think for me doing these internships and I think for you hearing you did internships and as well as Bronx Science exposing you to other companies and what's possible out there. It taught me that you don't have to be like, what are, what is like the trifecta of like engineer, lawyer, doctor, oh, <laughs> like, you don't have to be those three things. There's more out there than the typical careers that you learn about when you're a kid. Like you could be a, a like a, a teacher, you could be a mm -hmm. firefighter. Like there's more out there and learning how to interact with adults. Now, now that we are adults, weirdly, <laughs> weirdly enough, like it's important because um, with teachers, it's like a, interesting dynamic it's not exactly the same but like in the in the real working world you need to be able to operate like that so that's really awesome that you got that type of experience were these um internships things you did in the summer or things you did okay in the summer or yeah in they the were, year? Mm -hmm. some of them the ones that were a little bit more formal um were in the summer the one i think that had like the most lasting impact on me i started when i was a sophomore um, it was at like a, a small like it was a competition center slash education center for robotics um, and I, I met them through an event, like a fair that I attended because of the school robotics team. Um, and then I eventually started like coaching a middle school robotics team. And we went to like regionals in New York. And I also, it gave me opportunities to like host competitions in the US. And then I went to Russia for um, like a bigger competition. But that, I think all of those things were about, it just consistently showed me like, hey, go out there, talk to people, anything is possible. Um, and yeah, like you mentioned, you kind of work like side by side with an adults. I think around that time, I, I was also fascinated by like how chill teachers were and how much you can like, I think like I negotiated with my physics teacher to let me teach a class for extra credit because I was slacking because <laughs> I couldn't sleep for robotics. And I was like, oh, thanks, guys. Like, you guys are so cool. <laughs> and I think like I, I also remember I had a forensics class, I think, um, who taught us like public speaking and that he also treated us like an adult and like real speakers. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think that might have been Mr. Gazzola. I yeah. remembered him. I remember yeah. him also. He's also <laughs> like really chill and cool. And I definitely learned a lot from his class. Um, I think it was Nelly who actually brought up his class in the episode. I was like, forensics. What was that again? But it's really <laughs> great to remember all of the great classes that Bronx Science had. Even, I guess, to be honest, I forgot the names of it. But I remember the experience right. of it. And what, I guess, are there any... Like, what are some other, like, pivotal or influential moments of your time at Bronx Science, or how has it continued to influence you? Mm -hmm. um, pivotal moments. I guess, I think when I first joined, um, I started working in, like, CS, 
sorry, mine is very biased towards tech, I think, <laughs> and STEM. But I think when I first joined, um, I remember at a very like early, I guess at a much earlier time, um, I, oh, I remember because robot, because Bronx Science, I think had like an all girls robotics team. I didn't face a lot of the sort of like discouragement and maybe like subtle discrimination that a lot of females face when they first enter STEM. And I feel like that's one of the reasons that a lot of like big leaders in tech aren't female um, because you have all these like subtle messages that you don't belong. Um, and there's just like fewer opportunities. It's not as cool. But I think because I entered at such a like a freshman with like 50 girls on a robotics team, I never felt that. And even when I joined CS classes, um, like when I was like an early I think sophomore year and I was one of very few girls and I saw I actually got I remember I had a few offhand comments about like a woman or something it is true like you actually do get that but I feel like if even though I might have had like I, I still definitely have some imposter syndrome but I think like because of that early experience it like showed me that that's not reflective of what my potential was and I think I just like proved to myself over and over at Bronx Science that like oh I can do this like it doesn't matter what people say um yeah <laughs> No, yeah, I think that's that's really good that you had that experience. It's oftentimes you or we are in environments where like we might be the minority and mm -hmm. it's just like it's always an uphill battle. The current's always like rushing against you, but you having that experience where you are part of the majority, it's like all female robotics team, you gotta see what's possible without other people downing you thinking like, oh, we've never seen it. And you could be like, No, I've I've seen this on my <laughs> robotics team. Like we're a bunch of kick ass women who can um, you know can do this and um win competition so that's i think that's a really good point just like finding environments that can help you do that but if you can't it's knowing that like that icky feeling is probably imposter syndrome yeah i actually was looking at my bronx science yearbook a few weeks ago and it made me feel so good because i remembered because i i was i was thinking about like the imposter syndrome stuff and i remembered a very specific moment in my computer science class where like I was getting some comments from the student and that same guy senior year said like oh I think you're one of the smartest people in school and blah blah, blah. I would never like I'm so and I was like what the 180 turn I was like oh good job Juno and I don't usually say that to myself so I was like huh I should read the Bronx Science yearbook more often <laughs> yeah it's always I now I'm yeah I'm actually yeah since Juno and I we were talking earlier I'm actually back home or in New York City so I, I kind of want to peek at my Bronx Science yearbook <laughs> Now to see, you know, what came true, what didn't, and see what yeah. memories that I start remembering um, about. And, you know, I guess before we, um, I guess to transition on into more about what you do now, um, is there anything else you want to share about your time at Bronx Science before we transition into your life after? Hmm. I'm trying to remember all the stuff that I did there. Hmm. Oh, I guess like one interesting thing that I thought when I was there was, I think throughout your throughout your high school experience, obviously a lot of people are thinking about college. Um, and then you have all these people coming in, like different adults, different, um, like, I don't know, companies, organizations coming in. They're all encouraging you to be like this active member of the community um, and being a leader and like taking charge of like, I don't know, the students you see making changes, things like that. So that, I think, I think like I had, that like really resonated with me. Um, and but I think one thing that was interesting, and this is partially <laughs> maybe because of my own fault, but um, I think when I we were all applying to colleges, 
I remember towards the end, I was starting to not do well in classes because I was getting so in, like too involved and like, I guess, hyper-focused in robotics and um, like internships and things like that, that I like slacked on. I think I, I ended up call it, like handing my college apps late <laughs> and I started not getting, I think I was always had like 95 or like higher in GPA, but then that started going down. And I was like, oh no, colleges will see, colleges will see. And then they were like, they'll, they'll see where my heart is. But I think when, and I think I, and Nellie might have talked about this too, but when we were applying to colleges, we saw like 10 boxes for all the activities that you did at school. And we were like, oh my God, we can't fill that in. Like there's too much stuff. Like what do I put in there? And then other people, and I realized like other people can be like, I don't know, it didn't have to be that big, but I think I like overthought like how much you had to do and put on your resume. Um, I think in the end, that was extremely valuable for me. Um, but I think at the time when I was applying to colleges, I was like, oh my God, was there no purpose to me doing all of this stuff? <laughs> but I think... Um, I think, but I think what I got from that was like more valuable than, I don't know, like the, the exact boxes and formulas that I had to do for college. Hmm. When you say what you got was like actually more valuable than like uh, your experiences outside the classroom or? Just everything. Like I, I think I was just, I think because of the messages that I got at Bronx Science, every time I had no opportunities, I was like, oh, I should do that. Yes, I should do that. Or like, oh, what can I do with this? And I was just like trying to do everything. And it wasn't necessarily for college necessarily. It was just, I, I think uh, at first it was for college, I think. Um, I was like, oh, what do I have to do for college? What do I have to do for college? And I feel like a lot of people have that mindset. But I think as I got exposed to all these like real opportunities and real work, it like really made a impression on me. And I think I just got like really hungry for that. And I ended up getting a lot more out of it than I initially wanted from it, which was just like, oh, this is so good for college. <laughs> oh, I see now. Okay. I totally agree with that. Because when I was in Bronx Science, it was, I followed that formula. Like what? What, what should I do for college? But also like, you know, throw in a bit of what it is that I like to do. It was like, I did cross country. I'm not a huge fan of running. But I was like, oh, this, you know, I need this, probably need a sport during the fall. I can't, tennis was only in the spring. But I think, you know, I think that's really great that you learned that early on of doing things that I guess you were interested in, that you wanted to make an impact. And then that allowed you to derive more joy from it. Whereas other people, if, or like myself, when I reflect back to high school, if you're doing it with a set goal in mind of, wanted to add to your resume or your list of accomplishment or to fill those like 10 boxes on the college application it just isn't the same right. and I think that's a really important lesson that I, I I feel like I learned later on but only in college when I started to pursue things that were my own interest versus just um versus just trying to think of what would look good on the resume so mm -hmm. that's you know, I'm, th I'm really glad that you shared that point Mm. Although disclaimer, I definitely did do the second as well. <laughs> I also, I, I also was part of cross country and track for like a hot set. It was for one semester each, I think. <laughs> and I also did like random clubs and stuff that I did not. Yeah, I was definitely doing that for college and credits. <laughs> I guess like maybe one little just like add on maybe it's like, I guess like it's still important to think how things do look to other people. But also sometimes like that might push you to pursue it even more. Like for me, I think I went to Key Club my sophomore. I was like, oh, I probably should do some clubs. I didn't really do any clubs my freshman year. Mm. And then I ended up really liking it and becoming yeah. president. So it's like, it could be the push that gets you in, but what you get out of it can change yeah, as well. Absolutely. Like there's a reason they want to look like that. There's a reason it's like looked for for college. It does end up in like great experiences. Like what you're hearing? Make sure you never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button now. I upload a new episode every Sunday. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you, and thank you for your support. Now back to the show. So 
So Juno, can you tell us a little bit more about how you went from Bronx Science to where you are now? Yeah. So at my last year of Bronx Science, I got a high from all the robotics competitions and the internships that I was doing that I got I think once I got a taste of the real world, I was super demotivated for school. And when I entered college, um, I was looking at different design teams and kind of like seeing what I could do that was like similar to what I did at robotics. Um, but I think, I think because of the experiences that I had at the internships, um, and I didn't know at the time, but also because of my ADHD, um, which was made it a little bit more difficult to focus and stay on track when there wasn't as much structure, um, just like resulted in me being very. Um, I, th- I think I had like a quarter life crisis <laughs> and I was like, Oh, what, what's my purpose in the world? Like I want to make like, what's like a bigger, I, I just like was hungry for like a bigger purpose or impact. Um, and something that was like something I could do now. And I just want to work now. And I think I was going on this like spiral trying to see if I could like start my own company or join like a program. And I, um, I didn't actually find anything throughout the whole year, but I think in the summer um, I learned about this data science boot camp. Well, initially it was because of the web developer bootcamp, but I didn't want to do web development. And then I kept looking around. I saw they also had a data science offering. And I think I decided in within an hour of discovering that, that I was going to drop out um, and join this data science bootcamp. And I, I got a lot of backlash for it. But those same people said it was a smart decision after I already uh, got a job afterwards. So <laughs> um, yeah, so I ended up going to that bootcamp. I moved to Denver. Uh, that bootcamp was around three months. And I started working for a small startup as a data scientist. And from there, uh, I started working at Udacity, which is like a much bigger with like brand name tech company. Um, and I think I, once I got there, it like opened up the doors for me a lot um, in terms of career path. And now I'm at Databricks. How was the act of like dropping? You, you said you mentioned for you, it was um, like within a one hour decision, but like what what happened? Um, I guess, what were the repercussions afterwards? Like, I, I mean, just like, um, I think maybe a lot of Bronx Science listeners or current students might resonate just coming from an immigrant background. Like, how did your family react to that? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Actually, when I dropped out, um, I was prepared to like fight with my family uh, to let them accept it. But I realized that, like, I do understand why I didn't want to make my mom like in a lot of pain. So, actually, I figured out a way to like resume my college uh, classes at Michigan after a semester, I believe, or was it a year? It's either like a gap year or a co-op. They have options for you to like take a break and come back. Um, So I told my mom, and I think it was like $200 for me to keep it. So I told my mom, like, if I fail and I don't get a job and I I don't make this much of a salary, then I'll go back. And I think that made her calm a bit. But I think she like protested the beginning a little bit, but I think she saw how like fixated I was on this and I wasn't going to change my mind. And it just, but it, it, it made her feel a lot better that I had like a backup plan. Um, however, there were a lot of people who gave me like a lot of shit, definitely saying that I was super naive and this was a dumb decision. Um, and I think it was very important for me to be a little bit naive or else I definitely would have gotten scared (laughs) or discouraged from all the people who saying this was like not the right decision and it worked. And I don't, yeah, I I got like a six, I don't know. I don't want to say this stuff, but it ended up being a really good decision. And I think I'm at a good position now like in terms of salary and like support for my family especially as an immigrant family I think the financial aspect of it is also very important um yeah although that did also prevent me from pursuing another path that I wanted to do so I think like the first 
path, like the first risk was dropping out of college. The second risk I wanted to take after the boot camp was actually starting my own company. Um, and there were some like family situations and like mental health issues and the reason I, I like decided to go for a job instead of doing the startup. Um, but hopefully I am working on that now. Uh, so won't be too far off, I hope. <laughs> mm, I think that's really good. I think your experience of having a backup plan just in case, just to like one, I mean, of course, it, it makes your family feel better hearing that. Yeah. But also just that, like when you say, when you say college drop, I wasn't like you left and had no plan. Like you had a plan, like you wanted to go to this data science boot camp and just like, you know, just in case if it didn't pan out as expected, you could have gone back. But luckily everything went went pretty swimmingly and we were able to find a job afterwards. And um, I guess just, you know, in case we have people who are interested in data science or to be honest, probably don't even know what data science is. Can you give a brief background as to what data science is? Yeah. Um, so data science, I think it's like a fancy term for statistics and computer science. <laughs> um, I think when I first found out about it, I actually didn't know much about data science. And I think it was at the beginning. I, I think now it's like blown up and it's super hyped up. Um, I think when people think of like AI and stuff, they think of, I don't know, robots and like super advanced shit and, and black box. And I think that is like one aspect of it. Um, but I, I think data science is really cool because it gives you a lot of um, power to create programs and um, like software that doesn't require like hard coded knowledge. Um, it's like it, when you build machine learning models, the whole idea is that the machine is like learning from the data. And instead of like hard coding specific um, like decisions for it to make and logic for it to follow, it kind of develops its own um, algorithms and things based on patterns it sees in the data. Um, so yeah, I, I guess like an, an advanced form of data analysis-ish and it could also help you make predictions on things. Okay, no, that's good to explain. I, to be honest, I didn't really fully comprehend what data science was. So I think it's worth for me to ask, you know, that dumb question in case other listeners also were wondering the same. And um, as you progressed into your career, like, what did you learn about yourself um, working? Yeah, um, hmm. good question. I guess when I first dropped out and I got a job, I didn't actually process what my situation was and how different it was. Um, until like a year in, I remember I was like sitting down at my like, uh, apartment one day and I was like, oh, wow, I have my own studio and I'm 19. Oh yeah. I guess this is weird. I guess that's cool. And I work at Udacity. That's pretty cool. I go on camera, huh? And I think I didn't like process any of it. Cause I was always just like, so focused on like not failing. <laughs> um, I think what I learned about myself, uh, a lot of it was related to mental health, I think. I think in the beginning when I was in robotics and when I was uh, at the boot camp, I was always just like hustling a lot and I was always like on. And I, I would, well, when you look back, I would always think like, oh yeah, I guess that was like a peak time <laughs> when I was doing really well and I felt very fulfilled. But I think being that busy helped me not process like some of the more like internal mental health issues or emotional issues that I might've had. And I think when I started, things started becoming a little bit more quiet and I was able to introspect a little bit more. I uncovered a lot of, um, I guess, like repressed emotions that I've had from like family history. And I also discovered, uh, like I became aware of some mental illnesses that I have. And I think 
from then until now has been like a slow journey of like self-discovery, I guess. Um, and this like other aspect of life that I wasn't super in tune with. Um, I always thought that I was just like, I always thought like, oh yeah, I'm just a go-getter. Like I, I think anything is possible. Like I, um, I don't get, like, I don't get, I'm like very optimistic. I don't get shut down easily. And I like always identified with that and that I make things happen, like activation, whatever. But I think um, slowly I realized like, oh no, I have a lot of weaknesses, a lot more weaknesses than I thought. Um, And things are very, very difficult for me emotionally and physically. And I'm not indifferent. I'm not um, like resilient towards everything. And it's really important for me to accept that. Um, and talk about it and be more vulnerable about it with myself. Cause I think I was in a lot of self-denial for a long time and still am partially. <laughs> mm, so I guess like what you're saying, it's like after, when you started with work, it's like you, did you find that you took, you weren't as busy as you used to mm-hmm. be? So you found yourself with like, I guess you had time and then you realized you had all <laughs> your thoughts. Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was partially the time and also the fact that there wasn't any like strong mission anymore. Cause I think when I was at Bronx Science, everyone's like college, college, college. And then when you're in the boot camp, it was like job, job, job. And then you get the job and you're like, what's the next step? Retirement? And it's just like, uh, oh, I guess you get want to get promoted or like you could go to a different job. It's just like, oh my God, fuck, what's the end of this? I was like, oh my, like, whoa, is this it? Um, and I'm sure a lot of people have talked about this. Um, but I remember hearing from people when I was in college and I had this dream of like changing the world and whatever like my knees and they were like ah yeah that's you're gonna get jaded when you get older so like stay strong like I hope you keep that because probably gonna disappear and I was like oh my god like how dare you say that that's not gonna happen to me and I was like oh shit I see why they say that now (laughs) and I felt for the first time that I was I think Bronx Lines kept telling me like you're not in a box you're not in a box it's flexible you could do whatever you want anything you think is possible is possible and then when I joined like when I started working if you don't if you're passive like you will just stay in this track that everyone else is in. And it it you will have to make a very, very intentional effort to like move, like remove yourself from that and do something different. Um, so I think realizing that was a bit heavy on me in the beginning. Um, and even now, I think sometimes it can be discouraging, but I'm, I'm actually like, uh, you mentioned earlier that I'm working on a podcast with Nelly and we're also trying to uh, work on a potential startup in the future. So I think that has been very encouraging. I think it's super important that when you do start working, if that's not your end goal, it's very important to surround yourself with people who have similar uh, perspectives on that. Because you're, I don't know, people say that you're the average of the five people around you. And I think that your belief in yourself, belief in your potential, as well as like what kind of lifestyle you want is like super heavily influenced by the people around you. So if you're not happy with something and you want something to change, like find those people um, and stick with them, or at least people who are have the same level, like want the same thing, even if they're not there yet. No, I think that's all really important. And it's like, I, I asked the beginning just to confirm, it's like I felt very similar to what you were describing when I mm. started working. Cause like, like you said, there's always a goal. It's like high school. It's like college, college, college. When you're in college, it's like, find a job, find a job, <laughs> find a job. And then <laughs> I mean, the listeners can't see it, but I just laughed when you said, when you get a job, is your next goal of retirement? <laughs> I just laughed. I was like, yeah, I guess, like, you know, we're all just trying to earn money. And hopefully when we're old, like, you know, we have money to enjoy life, which kind of sounds a little bit depressing. But it's, it's that, um, like, when you get it, like, because, like, I think when we were at Bronx Science and maybe in college, if we were somewhere, like, it's always, like, go, go, go mentality, do all mm-hmm. these things. But once you have a job, it's like, okay, so I have this thing that earns me money. <laughs> what do I do now out of it? And I think that's really important 
important what you described of surrounding yourself with people who are who are pursuing their own goals just so you remember that there are there are there are goals like outside that like you can pursue because like before we all have very similar goals but now like and you can have all different types of goals and I think that's especially important now that we when we are in the pandemic when we can't Mm -hmm. talk with people we can't see with people and really for me I think what kept me going during the pandemic and ultimately let me just start this podcast as something outside of my job was listening to other people's podcasts mm. and hearing all the things that they were doing. And one of the podcasts I listened to the Tim Ferriss show, they had Matthew McConaughey on and he, I forgot exact context where he said, Oh, be um, less impressed, more involved. And that's mm. what like listening to that. And obviously I do not know this man, <laughs> Matthew <laughs> McConaughey, but just like listening to his interviews and listening to other inspirational guests, I think you start, they, whatever parts that you like about them can start, you know, through osmosis, you start mm. learning from them. So I think you can have real people or if you're the kind of, if there's an issue with the pandemic, like you can try to surround with people by, with the podcast. So I think those are all like really good insights. And I was doing a lot of nodding earlier. Very, very good point. Yeah. I, I didn't realize until very recently that also audiobooks were amazing. I, I never understood why everyone was like crazy about audiobooks. But now I realize like I could, I don't know, I could stare into space and like lay in bed and I could learn about everyone's stories. I don't know why I didn't process that. But yeah, for sure, podcasts. I, I'm very grateful you're doing this too, because a lot of this stuff is really cool for me personally as well, because they're all coming from Bronx Science and seeing all the different paths they got, they went through from like the same starting point has been super inspiring for me. And I think... um there was another point I wanted to make. <laughs> you can tell I have ADHD. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. I think I think like when 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 I have guests and like we you know our conversations are more like you know casual and conversational. I think you know the guests have fun listening to it. This is a real conversation. Thanks, we're not guys. we're not at all super <laughs> polished. <laughs> we're having fun. Um, I guess I also wanted to talk about um, some other stuff. Was just like you know your outside hobbies like rock climbing modeling Ooh. you have your podcast like what can you touch a little bit more about that yeah um so I think my my I don't really know if I have like hobbies that stay with me for consistently the long time I don't think I'm super good at that so maybe my hobby is exploring hobbies <laughs> but yeah I think you men oh I, I remember I put that in my bio on the podcast site so I think when I was in Denver Oh, yeah. Actually, I, I started rock climbing for the first time when I was studying abroad in Michigan. And I think nobody wanted to do it with me then. But I, I think it was really important for me to find a community of people um, to for me to stick to hobbies. But yeah, I, I started rock climbing when I was in Denver. Um, I also went hiking a lot. Um, I think I didn't real that was also very interesting for me because when I was as like someone growing up in New York City, uh, with a family who is not super into outdoors, I didn't realize like how massive uh, nature was. That sounds so cheesy, but I, it was almost emotional when I went to like I think I went to Utah and I saw like how huge everything was for the first time. And I felt so small. I was like, wow, the world is so enormous. And I I realized like I was still living in a bubble in Bronx Science. I think Bronx Science did a really good uh, did a really good job of like showing you how much of the world there was. But like no matter how much of the world you see, you're always gonna be in bubbles. Like so like so many bubbles. So I think that like made it, showed me how important it was to like keep making efforts to discover more and more things, um, like see different parts of the world, see different communities. I think that was also a motivator in me starting modeling. Um, that also introduced me to another world, um, like a bunch of creative people. They're not necessarily from tech. They're not necessarily from like places like Bronx Science, but um, 
like the whole creative community was very interesting. Um, I think now, um, what am I doing now? I got into art a little bit more. I started painting. <laughs> I, I don't think, I, I don't know. Honestly, I haven't been doing much, many interesting hobbies. I'm doing this podcast. Um, I'm trying to learn more about uh, like web development. And because I, I think eventually what I want to do is be like an innovator. Um, I just want to be a very, very capable builder, I think. Um, and I want to do as much research as I can to see what uh, impact I can make long term. But yeah, I'm not I'm not super sure if that answered the question. <laughs> no, I think that no, I think that's a good answer. I liked how you said maybe your hobbies like exploring hobbies, because mm-hmm. what took me a bit to explore hobbies was that when I was younger, it always felt that if you're going to start something, you better finish it. Mm. And I remember that my, I, st- I said, I told my parents, I want to play the piano. And then after X amount of a year, and I feel like <laughs> I didn't like it, but I still kept playing. And then like one day, I like, cried to my mom. I was like, I don't want to play the piano anymore. And I think that still has stuck with me. It's like, you got to like finish it, but it's mm. totally fine to like just explore hobbies. And if you want to stop, you can stop. Like I started embroidering like during Ooh. the craft craze of the COVID and it served its purpose then, but I've not been embroidering much now, but (laughs) I think scoring it. mm -hmm. I think one thing that someone told me when I first joined my current company, and this was specifically about like tech and career, but I think it applies to like a lot of life. Um, He mentioned that it's when I think he said it took him like 40 years or something to realize that there is value in not specializing in one thing and being a generalist. Because I feel like if you know a lot of very, like many different things, maybe not to the level of like, expertise or whatever that people who have done it consistently for a long time have done I think that makes you a much that could also increase your potential for like innovating creative solutions or make starting I don't know just like bringing value that is unique um, because you can find creative ways of putting things together and take inspirations from completely different fields and apply them to one another so at least I'm that's what I'm telling myself to feel better about what I'm doing but <laughs> I, I do think they're I do think that if you are a very like curious person who likes diving into many different things, um, I don't think we should be super hard on ourselves that we don't always follow through with everything. Um, and I don't know, you can come back to it consistently as well. I, I don't think I do things like super consistently all the time, but even if I only do it for like a few months or like a year, I think for rock climb I did for a couple of years, like it's still something I would go back to and I could apply like it's for me, I see it as like slowly learning things about myself, like what I like, what I don't like. And it helps me navigate, if anything, to new hobbies that are maybe closer to what I want to do. Um, but I don't know. I think life is just a bunch of cool experiences and learning things. I think as long as I'm learning things and I'm having fun, um, I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's super important. It reminds me of back during one of my early internships. I remember the CEO was saying, oh, there's no bad internships. You just learn what you don't mm-hmm. like. And the same applies to anything that you're, you're trying out. Um, June, I was wondering, can you tell us a little bit more about the podcast as well as about mental health and how how that has um, like influenced your life and also just like your mission with two Addies and a coffee, please? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think Nelly might have mentioned, Nelly mentioned some of it, I think, in the last uh, previous episode. But we started the podcast actually because we were on a phone call with a friend Um and I think I was like, <laughs> I was ranting about my issues with ADHD. And she was like so shocked because she was like, oh my God, there's two of you. And I think for a long time, I don't know, it's easy for when you have certain mental health issues, if you complain to the same person, well, not complain, just like talk about your issues to the same person, they'll be like, wow, why is this person like this? And it's easy to be 
um, a little bit dismissive and not realize like why it is an issue for them. And it's difficult not to attribute it to like their personality or shortcomings. But when you see it in multiple people, you're like, oh, okay, this is like a thing. Like it's not just this one person. And I think that really resonated with me because I think for a long time before putting a name to what I had, I was very dismissive of myself and I think unintentionally other people were very dismissive towards my issues as well. Um, and I also was kind of like shocked that no one knew around me, like what, I don't know, bipolar disorder really looked like what ADHD really looked like. Cause after knowing what it is, it's is so easy for me to, I think I saw like, I think three or more people who I was like, Oh, I think you have ADHD. Like you should <laughs> get checked. And it, I think after, and I think like um, the fact that, especially like within the Asian American community, um, mental health isn't really talked about a lot. And not only are people like very uneducated about it, they have like very strong biases towards it and they feel like a lot of stigma from being labeled for it. So I think just trying to make, uh, like humanize the topic a little bit more and have me and Nelly just like be our, like we're just people. We're not here to talk about mental health necessarily and be like a very, we don't have like a very clinical approach towards the podcast. I think it's very chill and it's all of our episodes are explicit. <laughs> um, and we just talk about like our random experiences and how like our mental health uh, ish, like journeys are sort of intertwined with them. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess like our mission is just like normalizing um, a lot of this conversation and helping people feel more okay talking about it um and being more vulnerable yeah it's like i i also really like the how your podcast was very vulnerable and just honest about your experience i don't think we often hear that from people mm-hmm. or people don't want are willing to share it and i think that's what i really like about your podcast like i spent one day just listening to like a couple episodes about grocery shopping <laughs> and walking <laughs> around like it's just really great to just like to hear your voices and also to share your stories and to learn more about you because i think after I graduated high school. Like I, <laughs> I just saw you guys on Facebook. I we hadn't really, seen much. <laughs> yeah. but it's great to have the podcast just be a way to learn a bit more about each other and then to learn more about your own uh, mental health experiences. I think that's that's really important, especially in the Asian American community. Mm-hmm. Like you said, like um, people may not be willing to recognize it or just think it's weakness. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really great that you two, both being Asian American women, just like talking about your experience and sharing what it's been like, I think can maybe help other people who might be going through similar experiences. Yeah, thank you. I think when um, what really I think when in the beginning when Nellie and I were going to start this podcast, actually in the beginning, I was <laughs> I was pretty like I was kind of freaking out. I think I had um, I had like, I suddenly got like hives everywhere. My whole body got itchy. And I think I had, it was like, I don't know, a stress. I don't know what that is. But I just got like super, super stressed out because I was kind of like, I guess at the time I was working at like my family salon on the weekends um, to help out because of like COVID and the business wasn't as good and stuff. And then I was trying to do stuff at work. And because of ADHD, sometimes it can be a challenge. Um, And I think what really made me decide to do this was I, I was I was doing some research on like how to start a podcast, like why you would do a podcast. And I was reading about like how one of the biggest values of having a podcast is like the intimacy you can have with the audience and how like how authentic you can be. And I was like, oh my God, I have to do this because I think that's one of my biggest insecurities um, that like I'm not authentic or I... I give off the impression I feel like to a lot of people that I am authentic and genuine, but I don't even know what that means for myself. And I feel like, because I like, I don't know, I dropped out of school early and I was always around people who, I don't know, like kind of would potentially look down on me because I'm younger. 
um, and things like that. I always had, like, I always prided myself on the ability to, like, gain respect from everyone. And I had to, like, I don't know, I had to conquer each new environment. I was like, get respect from everyone. Like, look at me. I'm, like, a accomplished whatever adult. And I felt like I've been so preoccupied with, like, giving off this impression of myself that I haven't had time to catch up with, like, who I am. Um, and ironically, like, even though the podcast is about being vulnerable, I feel like I'm very not vulnerable, like, even to myself. Um, it was super, it was kind of stupid. I told my therapist, I was like, I'm, I used to look up actually before the podcast and all this stuff happened. I used to look up on Google, like, am I, is it, am I like a part sociopath? Cause I felt like I like, I, I thought I didn't feel like sadness, which is so stupid. It's just really, really repressed. Um, Cause my, like when my dad left earlier, I think it's like some abandonment issues, which I didn't even process was trauma. I didn't even think that was trauma. Like I had to be convinced by my therapist that I faced trauma. Um, um, and I think for the first time I was like crying when I was alone a lot last year. Um, and I don't know, a lot of weird stuff happened, but I was like, okay, this is, can be a good way for me to practice being vulnerable. And I wanted to make sure that everything I said on a podcast publicly, especially something about mental health, um, was very, very honest and like well thought out as like what I truly believe is true. Um, so I think that was a big motivator to me as well. Hmm. No, I think, yeah, those are all like good points and just like recognizing like Hearing it's like behind the scenes, like for you, you actually maybe felt that like you weren't that vulnerable. And this has been a way for you to, I guess, increase your vulnerability and being more honest about your own experience. Mm -hmm. So I guess, Juno, just to, to wrap us up. Um, so I asked this question to everyone. This podcast is called Dear Bronx Science. So pretend you're writing a letter to Bronx Science and you just addressed it, Dear Bronx Science. How, how do you want to finish it? Mm. Um, is this to the people at Bronx Science or like Bronx Science, the school? It's however you want to interpret it. So Bronx Science could be the literal current students. If you want to talk to them, could be like the school, the this amorphous, you know, being whatever. <laughs> could be to the alums, could be to, I don't know, teachers, could be just like however you want to um, interpret that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say, dear Bronx Science, um, hmm, you think about this. No one knows what, if you have an idea or you have a goal and it's super naive and everyone is telling you that it's pretty naive, don't waste your time trying to convince people. Like it is not worth the time trying to convince people to see what you see and the potential that you're super excited about. Um, it's much faster and better and encouraging to just go for it and then show people afterwards. I think as long as you have like a safety plan if needed to like comfort the people who care about you um you have to chase like what you want um i think what was really important for me growing up was um i think at bronx science a lot of people have like a lot of very high ambitions um and people are always like egging them on like yes you can do yes you can do it and i think that is one of the reasons a lot of people there end up like having this like huge potential in themselves and being excited and in real life after you start working it's not necessarily always going to be like that. So it's super important to like remind yourself that um, you do have everything it takes um, and then just go for it. Well, Juno, thank you so much for your words of advice to Bronx Science. And um, thank you for being on the show. Yeah, thank you so much, Victoria. I had a lot of fun. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to hear this story from the Bronx Science community. Follow us on Instagram at Dear Bronx Science to stay updated on new episodes. 
And if you're interested in being a guest, fill out the form linked on the Instagram page. Be sure to tune in every Sunday for a new episode.